This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been talking about getting used to different. This has been a different year, and the differences have been forced upon us, but our, our objective in this series is to come up with some different things we can do to make the year better, a better different. Because we've been having to make adjustments all year long on some of the different things that have come our way. Now, I've got a quick question. How many of you this year have had to work from home at some point in time? Look at that. That's huge. You know, the thing about it is, is many people are still working from home. And commercial real estate is, is a real challenge right now because a lot of companies have figured out it's a lot cheaper just to let people work from home. It's a lot more challenging to work from home, especially if you have children. Because children have no concept of you're in a Zoom meeting at all. They yell out whatever. You ever notice kids, the kids can't say anything in a quiet voice? It's like, Dad, I've got to go potty. Uh, thank you very much for talking with my vice president over that. I'm sure he enjoyed hearing that. So that's been different. Uh, travel is different. Joy and I flew for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And uh, if you don't like wearing masks, <laughs> don't fly, because you will be wearing a mask from the moment you step in that airport to the moment you get out of the next airport, because they will make you wear your mask all the time, the whole flight, unless you're eating. So bring a lot of snacks. <laughs> and just keep eating the, the whole time through. Um, education has changed. Online education. I want to give a shout out to all of our teachers and administrators who have had to do online education. And while you're clapping, how about a big hand clap for all the parents who've endured online <laughs> education? It, it, it really, to me, is going to be very interesting to see where this goes. My oldest uh, grandchild is Kylie, Kylie Clayton, Matt's, Matt and Kelly's daughter. And she's just now in first grade. Very curious to see by the time she's in college how education will have shifted. But it, it definitely is a shift. So we've got workplace, we've got travel, we've got education. We have what I call philosophy hostilities are different. No longer can we just agree to disagree on anything anymore. Now we have to be nasty about it. And so it's, it's, I'm, I'm amazed and saddened by all the outrage that's out there. You've got people blowing up friendships and relationships that they've had for years just because somebody is voting differently from you. Don't do it. It's just not worth it. And especially in the church. Don't go quiet on me. Listen to me. It's not worth it to lose a witness over politics. Just don't, just don't do it. It's not worth it at all. I know some of you thinking, well, they're an idiot. Well, you don't have to share that with them. <laughs> you know, uh, we just buried one of our uh, Supreme Court justices, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, she, was, uh, she was on there since Abraham Lincoln was in office. And, <laughs> and she has, she very, she's very, very, uh, very brilliant lady, very liberal. She was on one side. Do you know her, who her best friend was on the court? Scalia, who's on the other side. I mean, you talk about people with philosophical differences. You can count on them voting opposite every time. But she said that Scalia was her, her best friend on the court. And she said something I thought was very powerful. You don't take it this the wrong way. She said, you know, I, found, I learned from him that good people can have bad ideas. <laughs> Guys, I want to tell you something. We just ought to adopt that as, as, a, mantra, as a mantra. 
Good people can have bad ideas. I don't have to hate you or break up with you just because we're different in our opinions. Let's leave the hostilities alone, especially in the church. I have people that can't stand me now because I won't speak on their political views or their, their views on what's going on. And all of, I was a good pastor for years, but no longer. And, and it's like, I didn't change, but the, the environment has changed. And the challenge is that these differences have had an effect on us. One of the biggest effects we see, it's, it's distracted us and divided us. Very distracted. People are just, you know, you're just having a hard time with all this stuff going on, very distracted and very divided. And so that's created challenge. Here's another thing I've noticed, and especially as a pastor, I watch this and I've been saddened by what I've seen in people, but people are discouraged and demoralized. Now, I mean, mental health, emotional health, all-time lows. And I read something recently that was, they brought back a, a 2013 study from the Journal of um, Personality and, and Social Psychology. And I, I didn't even know they had such a journal, but they did a big study. And what they found out is when people go through stressful times, it pulls and, and drains them of willpower and motivation. They go through stressful times, and that's why you see people going back to habits that they've given up a long time ago. And people go back to that. Now, uh, psychologists are looking at it purely from the brain. Let me give you, let me give you even a, a, an enhanced version, the spiritual side of that. Look at this in Proverbs. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. You've got, listen, you're looking at negatives, you're seeing negatives. I talked to a guy today that was laid off in March. It's, people are dealing with all kinds of things. And by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. In Proverbs 18, it says that the strong spirit of man, we're a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. We're not just a brain and a body. There's an eternal part of us. But that spirit, it says a strong spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness but a broken spirit, who can bear? In other words, it cannot lift you or carry you. When you're strong on the inside, you can handle adversity. But when adversity strikes and you're not strong on the inside, man, it's caused people to go back and people that you knew that were doing so well, all of a sudden they're, they're in stuff again that they, God delivered them from years ago. And like, what happened? And they got stressed, discouraged, demoralized. Doesn't have to be that way. The bottom line is, is, I think one of the biggest challenges we've seen is that relationships have been devalued and derailed during this time. Divorce, whew, through the roof. Even our relationship with God. So you say, well, Alan, thank you for sharing that good news with us today. But here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, there's some companies that have absolutely thrived during this time. I suspect Amazon is doing really, really well. But companies that have an online platform, they're doing well. A couple, I read some couple in Houston lost a gazillion pounds because they, I think they both got laid off and so they decided to walk a bunch and they lost weight. People have learned new languages. People have done things. Listen, you can do, just because different has been forced on you does not mean you have to let it dominate you. You can make different determinations. And this morning, I want to talk about getting used to a different approach to God. In our relationship with Him, maybe you've been away from Him. Maybe your relationship with God has grown colder. But I want to talk about just some ways that you can approach Him differently.
So we're going to do that because we want to we want to do something different if we need different results. And approaching our Heavenly Father, approaching God differently, it'll bless your life. Here's the first one. We want to approach God with the belief that He's real and that He is a rewarder. Hebrews says this, Without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That gives us two key things. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Guys, we don't come to God on the basis of our feelings. We come to God on the basis of faith. We choose to believe, and we don't even need our feelings to agree. We don't need our feelings to validate that. So in other words, you say, well, you know, sometimes I just don't feel like I'm close to God. Doesn't matter. I still believe He's real. I still believe He's the creator of heavens and earth. I still believe He's good. I believe regardless of how I feel about it. But we've been raised on feelings. I get it. Feelings. Whoa, 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 feelings. Again in my life. You've lost that loving feeling. And it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I get it. But we've been so feelings trained that we don't realize feelings aren't the number one thing. Your faith is stronger than your feelings. I don't need my sense. I don't need my feelings agreeing with my faith. If they do, great. If they don't, no big deal. You know, when I walk in the house and Joy is cooking Italian food. My wife can flat cook some Italian food. She makes a sauce, a red sauce. It's got garlic and basil and stuff in it. And if you've ever walked in a house where they're, where they're cooking Italian food, man, it smells good. We sold a house one time that way. Joy was cooking, Joy was cooking Italian food and a lady wanted to see our house. She walked in. She went, this is wonderful. The house wasn't wonderful. It smelled wonderful. She bought it. It was great. So, but when I walk in and I smell Italian food, if my eyes go, well, I don't see Joy cooking. If my, I don't hear Joy cooking. I haven't tasted it yet. I don't need the rest of my senses to agree with me. I smell Italian food. There's Italian food coming. Joy doesn't cook much, but when she does, she cooks good Italian food. So I know it's coming. Listen, I don't have to have my senses, my feelings agree with me believing that God is real. He is real. He is powerful. And whether I have a feeling or not, it does not matter. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. That's how we come to Him. So, we come to Him that way. Here's the second thing. Is we got to believe He is a rewarder, not a punisher. You know, when Jesus was talking and He was on the earth, He would tell parables and parables would give a picture of who God was. He said, here's, here's how the kingdom of God works, guys. And he gave one of the most famous parables was the parable of the talents. There's a master who had three servants. He gave, he's going on a journey, so the master gives to one servant five talents, another servant two talents, another servant one talent, and says, work with this, I'll be back. Now, we, we hear talents all the time. We don't get talents. Talents? What's a talent? And a lot of times we think, well, the master reached in, he gave one five bucks, another two bucks, another a dollar. No, that's not how it works. If you really look at talents, some estimates are that, that talents that the guy who got five got over a million dollars in today's money. The one who got two, still hundreds of thousands of dollars. And even the guy we feel sorry for, the guy who got one, over a hundred thousand dollars. And work with this. So, master goes away. And, of course, this master is a type of God. When he comes back, he wants to find out what have they done. So he calls in the guy with five and the guy with two. And they both have the same story. They said, master... Good to see you. We took, your, we took your money and we doubled it. Both of them doubled it. And the master didn't go, well, good, give it to me. In fact, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful over a few things, a million bucks. I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. From God's perspective, hmm, different. He said, enter into the joy of your Lord. He didn't, he didn't punish them. He praised them. He promoted them. He provided access into a relationship with him. It was a good deal. But then the other guy came. Eh. He had a bad view of God. He had a bad view of his master. And how he saw his master impacted how he responded to him. Look over here. Jesus tells him. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. My perception of you is you're hard. My perception of you is you steal. You, you, harvesting where you didn't scatter seed is stealing. You're a thief. You're hard. And it caused me to be afraid. And I hid. I said, well, why is that important? Because if you see God is hard and angry and willing to take from you, it makes it so hard to approach him. But what if you approach God as if he's good? He's a rewarder. All you have to do is seek him. He's already leaning your way. He just wants to bless and help your life. That makes it so much easier to approach him. I was raised as a teenager in the 70s. It's a great generation. The last great generation of guitar music. But anyway, I digress. In the 70s, work with me now. Some of you young guys, work with me. In the 70s, you could not text a girl to ask her out. You couldn't say, hey, want to hang out? You couldn't because texting did not exist. Cell phones didn't exist. If you wanted to go out with a girl, and in the South, by the way, girls never asked the guys. The guys had to ask the girls. And so y'all looking at me like I've come off a different planet. Seriously. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just age yourself. Okay, hang, work with me now. So I got to ask a girl. And that means I have to call her or I have to go up to her in person and ask. Which means you could get rejected. Which means you go and go, hey, would you go out with me? And they look at you and go, not if you were the last man on earth. And uh, <laughs> that's rejection. I hate rejection. So what I would do is I would do pre-approach. I would talk to her friends. They say, that's cowardly. It worked. I would talk to her friends. I would say, hey, is so-and-so dating anybody? No. You think she would go out with me? Yes. She thinks you're cute. Hey. <laughs> so my approach is totally different. Now instead of going, hey, would you go out with me? No, I'm like, hey, baby. <laughs> yeah, how are you? Good, good. I got, I got Barry White working all over again. Hey, hey, mom, how are you? Because I already knew she was leaning my way. See, it, it makes the approach so different. Joy, joy was different. I couldn't do, I couldn't do a pre-approach with her. I didn't, she was just in town for two weeks. I saw her by the pool. I'm like, I'm going to make a move. It was so smooth. It just totally just hooked her, right? Hook, line, and sinker. I'm in trouble. Anybody want to take me to lunch because it's not, it's not going to happen. Joy was different. But for the most part, I would always find out what they were predisposed to do. If you believe that God is predisposed to be a rewarder to you, if you just seek him, 
Doesn't it make a difference? Then you're willing to come to him and you're not afraid. You're not hiding. You're like, Heavenly Father, here I am. I'm so glad you're good. You're a rewarder. Here's the second one. If we're going to approach God differently, we need to treat God like he's more than an add-on. Here's where it gets real serious, guys. Sometimes we have so many things going on in our life, God's just another thing. It's like, man, we got, we got our career, we got our family, we got, we got kids, we got this, we got our hobbies, we got all these things. Go, oh, and we have God. But God's much more than just a Sunday thing. And he's much more than just a religious thing. He's the biggest thing. And when he spoke to the nation of Israel, he spoke to them a verse that a lot of people have quoted, you know, blessing and cursing, choose life, and everyone's like, yeah. but then he tells you how to do it. Look at this here. See, it's that today I've given you the choice between life and death. This is God speaking. Between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to, to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord... You will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I realize this is an Old Testament verse, but the principle is still the same. There's still blessing and cursing set in front of us. We still have a choice. We can choose. I choose God. I choose his way. Well, how do I choose life? I obey him. I love him. I'm committed to him. I serve him. And he's not just an add-on in my life. He's the most important thing. In fact, he's key to my life. And we're basing our eternity on him. We might as well base the rest of our life on him as well. I'm going to treat God like he's really, really important. Not like he's an add-on. For those of you who are investors, you have heard the name Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is, I think he's 90 this year. Warren is he's called the Oracle of Omaha. He is a billionaire investor. He's a savvy investor. And for every, every year for the past 20 years, Warren Buffett has auctioned off for charity a lunch with him. And if you win the auction, you and seven of your friends can sit down and have lunch and ask Warren Buffett questions. First time it was $25,000 was the first auction. Goes to charity. Last year, $4.5 million somebody paid to have lunch with Warren Buffett. How many of you know if you pay $4.5 million to have lunch with somebody, you are not going to do all the talking? You're going to be like listening. You're going to be focused. You're going to be wanting to hear what he's got to say. You have lunch with Warren Buffett and you have just invested that much money because you believe that spending time with Warren Buffett is going to have a payoff in the long run. That if I spend time with this guy who's a billionaire investor, he's going to help me and I'm going to be wiser and smarter and able to use my resources better. So I'm going to pay that much money to have lunch with Warren Buffett. I was thinking about that and I'm like, wow, lunch with a billionaire. And then the thought hit me. Our Heavenly Father is so much more than a billionaire. He is a gazillion gazillionaire. He is so much more. He has so much more wisdom, not just about investing. He's got wisdom about life, about your marriage, about your kids, about your relationships, about your career. He's got, man, he's got wisdom about everything. And the good news is we don't have to pay to have a relationship with him. In fact, he paid to have a relationship with us. All we have to do is say, thank you. Thank you. You are so much more than an add-on in my life. How can we do something different? We treat him as an add-on. Treat him as very, very important. 
Then the next one is this. How about our connection with him? How about upgrading that connection? So many people's connection with God is, ah, when I'm in trouble, God, I need help. Or they're blaming God. But there's something better. That we can, we can go to him differently. We can upgrade that connection. I want to show you something very simple, but it's powerful. It's found in Romans, first chapter. Now, we read this first. I'm, I'm, I'm going to twist this verse just for a second. Although they knew God, they did not glorify. He's talking about mankind. They knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that's kind of a negative verse. But if we take that verse and reverse it, people that did not glorify him, they weren't thankful, it caused their thoughts and their hearts to be darkened. If, if, if not glorifying him and not being thankful causes our hearts to be darkened, then glorifying him and thanking him can cause light and clarity to come. So we can take that and say, Father, I'm going to glorify you as God. What's it mean to glorify him as God? You recognize him, you give him a place of honor and esteem. Now listen, you've done that to an extent by simply coming today. Those are people who are watching online, they're, they're watching online. They, they, they've chosen to do that. But you've, you've chosen. You could be somewhere else. You came here. What are you saying? God, I'm honoring you. I'm recognizing you. I give you a place of esteem. You are God in my life. That's glorifying him. One of the best things you can do is glorify him. The second thing you can do, and this is the connection, the second thing you can do is simply be grateful. Now, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be very honest with you. You will have to work on being grateful. I don't know that if it's, I, I, I don't know, I'm thinking about people who are naturally grateful. I think we have to develop it. Joy and I have determined that one of the things we wish we had done was been more grateful with our family growing up. Why? Because gratefulness says, God, you have done so much good things for me. And when I'm grateful, I'm remembering all you've done. All you are doing, all I have, all I do know, all I can do. It's so easy in life to get focused on what we don't know, what we don't have, what we can't do. But being grateful reminds us, thank God we had the strength and the ability to get up and come in here today. Thank God God has given us the ability. We've got a wonderful church. It's air conditioned. We have people that care about us and love us. We've got something to be grateful for. And expressing gratitude is one of the best connections that you can have with God. You can thank him just over little things. Lord, I want to thank you for this car. Instead of cussing your car, thank God for your car. Lord, I want to, I know some of you are like, this car, I hate this car, this car stinks. This car, this car is a horrible car. It's a horrible car. That is not the path to blessing. The path to blessing is, Lord, I want to thank you for this car. And I want to thank you that one day I'll have a car where the windows roll up electrically and I'll have air conditioning in it. Lord, I want to thank you for that. You can, you can begin to thank God. The Bible said in all things, thank him. Listen, you're never going to go wrong being grateful. Never. It's one of the best ways to connect with him. So we're going to glorify him as God. We're going to be grateful. We're going to treat him like he's not an add-on. We're going to respond to him in faith. And we're going to see him as someone who is really good. Now, you might be thinking, whoa, Alan, I haven't done any of those. I mean, I'm just, I'm not a good Christian I just, you know, I'm just, you know, hey, here's the one thing you got to believe. You have to believe that God's mercy is bigger than your mistakes. That his mercy is stronger than where you've missed it or where you've been wrong or where you've been bad. 
Let me give you a great verse this morning. In Lamentations, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Man, God's mercies are new every morning. You messed up last night. Well, this morning there's the sound of His truck. Beep, 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 beep. So what's that? Oh, that's a dump load truck of mercy being dumped in our front yard. And it just showed up again because it's new. Well, we got mercy yesterday. Yeah, but you need it today. His mercy just showed up in your life. And when we recall that to mind, that gives us hope. Recalling about where we missed it, where we're not a good Christian, where we haven't done everything we should, is not going to bring hope. That drains us of hope. But recalling about how good God is, His mercies are new. And there's something else I saw with it. You read the Amplified. It said, in his tender compassions never fail. Tender compassions. And I thought about, it. man, we ought to come to the one or come back to the one who's tender towards us. Have you ever met anyone who had a tender spot towards you? Man, you appreciate them. Because you're just like, Ooh, I messed up. But they just were tender towards you. I was thinking about that, and I think, well, I think of kids and, and wife. I think, but I, I got one for you. I think many of you can relate to this. I have a tender spot in my heart towards my dog, Boudreaux. I know I'm the only one. But Boudreaux is a poodle. He was supposed to be a toy poodle. He's not. He was supposed to weigh six pounds. He weighs 15. And... He's, he's, he's a foo-foo dog. Um, we got him for my daughter when she didn't have a boyfriend. Got her a dog. Then she moves, leaves the dog with us. But the dog loves me. He loves Pastor Allen. I come home, he's like, ha there you are. <laughs> Don't know where you've been, but here you are. And and I'll be very honest with you, Boudreaux is not an impressive dog. No, no one sees that dog and goes, oh, that's a dog. You know, I always wanted a German Shepherd. Joy cannot stand German Shepherds because one chased her when she was two. So we'll never have one. I always thought, you know, German Shepherds are impressive. If I had a German Shepherd, I would walk that dog around the neighborhood. Mess with me. I do not walk Boudreaux around the neighborhood. Because you got to check your masculinity at the door when you walk, take that dog for a walk. He's got the backyard. He's fine. He's not impressive. He's not useful. I never feel like, well, okay, I'm traveling. Joy's at home, but Boudreaux's there. No, I do not feel that way. Because if someone broke into our house, Boudreaux would immediately jump on them and lick them. And all he does is bark. But he barks at everything. Leaf, leaf blows, he barks. Someone moves across the street, he barks. Dog barks, he barks. He barks. That's all he does. Explosive barking. He's not impressive. He's not useful. He's not obedient. You open the door, you're like, no, 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 no. He takes off. You're like, Boudreaux, come back. He's like, whatever. And he keeps going. He won't come back till he's good and ready. He's not useful, impressive, obedient. And I still have a tender place in my heart for this little dog. And 
About a month ago, I got up on a Tuesday morning getting ready to come in the office, and Boudreaux didn't feel good. I could tell it. He, uh, when he doesn't feel good, he goes to his throw-up place, which is in, the, and he's sitting there like this. I'm like, oh, buddy, you don't, you, you don't feel good. Oh, he didn't feel good. So I, I took him outside. He didn't, he didn't feel good. Put him back in. I'm concerned about him. I go to work. I'm thinking about him. I drive home at lunchtime to check on him. Why? Because I'm a dog lover. And I got a tender place in my heart for this little dog. He's fine. He got over it. He was okay. But I thought about it. I'm tender towards that dog. Joy? Zero tenderness towards that dog. <laughs> She's not tender. She tolerates the dog. She pets him once a week. That's it. But I thought, I'm tender towards this dog. And I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But here's, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing. If I'm tender towards this dog, how much more is our Heavenly Father tender towards us? His tender mercies don't fail. You say, Lord, I'm not too impressive as a Christian. He's like, yeah, I got a tender spot towards you. Lord, I, I haven't been too useful for your kingdom. He's like, yeah, but that can change. Lord, I, I'm not too obedient. He said, yeah, but I still love you. And I still have tender mercies toward you. The thing I love about our Heavenly Father, he's so good. And even when we're not, his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Say, so, wow, that's a, that's a different message, Alan. Yeah, get used to different. Will you bow your heads? This morning, if you're here and say, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, or I'm not sure that I do, but I, I, I want to have a relationship with God. We're going to say a prayer. Maybe you're here and, and you're thinking, man, I used to be close to God. And during this whole year, I've just walked away from him and I, I know it, but I, I don't want it to be that way. I want, I want to come back. Well, listen, we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But right where you are, you have the opportunity to determine to do something different. To give your heart and life to someone who loves you, who cares for you, who has a tender spot towards you. We're going to say a prayer. A very quick, but a very powerful prayer. But if that's you that I'm talking to, either you're saying, I want to come to him or I want to come back to him. Alan, would you pray for me? Would you real quickly just slip your hand up across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? Just say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Great. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to say a prayer. If you didn't lift your hand and wanted to, you can still pray this prayer with us. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to join you as a church family. So pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray and say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. God raised you from the dead right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, the heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. I pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for everyone that made the decision to come to you or come back. We rejoice 
for those who you said have stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, and for those who have come back home. Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that in the middle of these different times, we can have a different relationship with you. And we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.